0: Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, and it's the Center from Reality Podcast. It's about midday on, what's today? Tuesday, Valentine's Day. I hope, I hope those that are in a couple or married or engaged or whatever else there is out there, I hope you have a great Valentine's Day. I have a great date with a book and a beer and some tasty food tonight. I think, uh, you know, living the single life, uh, I don't know, with every year, I'm thinking it's probably time to not be single anymore, but... Now that I've, you know, left Chicago and back into a routine, hopefully that'll be the next thing. But anyways, I don't want to rant uh, rant too much about that. So uh, first off, I just want to say before we get into everything, iTunes is being a pain in the ass right now, or Apple Podcasts, so Apple is being a pain in the ass right now. For some reason, the last two episodes have not been on Apple. I have put in some work requests to them. I've gone on. It says the podcast is still active, as, as well as the Tonic Accord podcast, but for some reason they're not updating it anymore, and... I don't know why. So I am waiting on that, but right now the podcast is available on every other platform, including, I mean, not Apple Podcasts, but Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, whatever other third-party ones are out there. I'm trying to figure it out. So hopefully by the end of this week or even in the next few days, we will be back. But I don't think I've said anything to be only canceled on Apple Podcasts and not everything else. So who knows, but I don't know what else to say. So. Today we're going to talk about a myriad of different things, but I want to start with uh, the announcement that Nikki Haley is running for president. Very exciting, I know. And I'm going to play the three-minute ad because I think it's kind of fascinating, and then I'll talk about it on the other side. If you don't want to hear the ad or you've already heard it, you can just skip ahead about three minutes and just hear my analysis and rants afterwards. So we'll talk on the other side.
1: The railroad tracks divided the town by race. I was the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. Not black, not white. I was different. But my mom would always say your job is not to focus on the differences, but the similarities. And my parents reminded me and my siblings every day how blessed we were to live in America. Some look at our past as evidence that America's founding principles are bad. They say the promise of freedom is just made up. Some think our ideas are not just wrong, but racist and evil. Nothing could be further from the truth. I have seen evil. In China, they commit genocide. In Iran, they murder their own people for challenging the government. And when a woman tells you about watching soldiers throw her baby into a fire, it puts things in perspective. Even on our worst day, we are blessed to live in America. I was born and raised in South Carolina, so I have seen the very best of our country. People here threw out the old, tired political establishment and demanded accountability for their tax dollars. Industry reports called us the beast of the Southeast, which I loved. People came by the thousands for fresh starts Moms and dads held their heads up high. Children learned that it was always... It's a great day in South Carolina. It's a great day. It's a great day. A great day. A great day in South Carolina. We were strong. We were proud. And when evil did come... Police in South Carolina are looking for a gunman following a shooting at a church. Several victims control. we don't know the uh, severity we turned away from fear toward God and the values that still make our country the freest and greatest in the world we must turn in that direction again Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections that has to change Joe Biden's record is abysmal but that shouldn't come as a surprise The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border and strengthen our country, our pride and our purpose. Some people look at America and see vulnerability. The socialist left sees an opportunity to rewrite history. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president.
0: (sighs) Okay, so Nikki Haley is running for president. Um... We all knew this was coming, but she decided to announce on Valentine's Day. How romantic. And, look, I mean, first off, I don't even understand the heels thing. Like, I mean, I understand it, but it's so cringy. Like, she seems so cringy to me and robotic. And just, I don't even know if she's that likable. I mean, that ad felt like something that a robot put together. And I understand that she's trying to go down this diverse, younger lane, right? You know, Indian American, younger woman, doesn't want to be seen as kind of a Trumpy radical. I understand where she's coming with all of this stuff a little bit, but at the same time, I just don't understand what she's trying to do here because a lot of the stuff she's saying is kind of out of the Trump playbook, right? She talks about the socialist left, for example, The picture where she talks about the socialist left is insane. It's Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, and Bernie Sanders. And look, (laughs) Bernie, yes, maybe he's the most socialist of those four. But the other three are like establishment centrists. And Nancy Pelosi is like definitely a capitalist, not a socialist. So she's buying into all the talking points that are common in the Trumpy MAGA Republican Party. She also talks about how a lot of people hate America I don't know if a, I've never bought into that whole narrative that people hate America. I think a lot of people just maybe want to criticize America or have difficult conversations about our past. I don't think it's it's as easy as just saying they hate America. But she's bought into that. Also, you know, the Biden's weak thing. People are taking advantage of us, even though it was Trump who bent over backwards for Vladimir Putin. And it's actually Biden who has been helping send a lot of arms to Ukraine. So I don't know if that narrative adds up, right? Right. Trump, Trump is kowtowed to dictators left and right. I don't get that either. Then you also just have to look at her talking points, right? Like, she's a neocon. And I don't know if particularly the new GOP actually wants a neocon. You know, she talks about fiscal responsibility, securing the borders, lower taxes. Uh, what's it called? South Carolina was a productive state. She talks about God. She sounds to me like someone who's... Trying to be a populist and also trying to be a neocon, neocon. Sorry. And I don't particularly understand how that flies. And a lot, I mean, she kind of, in a sense, falls into this Governor Sununu. Governor Hogan Lane, except I think she's a little more Trumpy. But what I mean here is I don't really actually know what she thinks she can accomplish here, because look, she's for supporting Ukraine. She's definitely more of a neocon. She was for taking down Confederate flags in South Carolina when she was governor. She's not popular with that MAGA base who attacks the media, hates the media. You know, Ron DeSantis is prickly. Trump always attacks the left and he triggers the left. I don't know if I don't know if Nikki Haley does that. She she is too policy-based. She's too substantial when it comes to these issues. And it was Jonathan V. Last with the Bulwark who had a good point. He mentioned that Nikki Haley would definitely be better than Trump. I don't think any of us disagree with that. Like, she would be better than Trump as a president just because she is somewhat rational. But that being said, what is her constituency? And it's Sarah Longwell who does all these, all this great polling and focus groups for the Bulwark. She's like, there's no constituency right now for Nikki Haley. And it makes sense. But the problem is she's not popular with the MAGA base. But then she also is calling out moderates like Joe Biden as socialists. She's attacking centrists. She's made enemies with the Liz Cheney types. So she's also not popular with the Never Trumpers or independents. And now I've seen some people say, oh, DeSantis and Trump take each other out. And Nikki Haley maybe comes in and actually gets the nomination. I think it was even David Brooks with The New York Times who was on PBS talking about that. He was like, maybe Trump and DeSantis get into a mudslinging match and Haley comes out unscathed. I also just don't see what universe that happens in. She just doesn't have a constituency. I think think in maybe a different era, maybe 20 years ago, maybe, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. And all you have to do is look at a poll that was updated today from Morning Consult, which is usually pretty trustworthy in my opinion. And you have Donald Trump with 47%. And, and these are responses among potential GOP primary voters. And as we know, primary voters do seem to go more for the Trumpy side, which will be a problem. But anyways, so according to these numbers among 3, sorry, I can't say numbers, 3258 Republican voters, uh, 47% want Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis is in second with 31%. And Mike Pence is in third with 7%. Now, this survey was conducted up to yesterday, so this is before Nikki Haley actually announced. But in this poll, she's in she's tied for fourth with Liz Cheney, Ted Cruz, and Nikki Haley. So three percent, right? And that's kind of uh, kind of hilarious, actually, is that even Liz Cheney's tied with her, who we've been told is a rhino and is toxic and is not a Republican. Nikki Haley, who is trying to be all populist and Neocon at the same time is tied with Nikki H- or is is tied with Liz Cheney and Ted Cruz. So what happens now that she's announced? Does she go up like two or three points? Maybe she ties Mike Pence in third? Maybe, but if you all you have to do is just look at this poll and you go, "How the hell does Nikki Haley get out of this with any success?" It's never good when you're tied with Liz Cheney who's been ostracized from the party and Ted Cruz who's very unlikable by independents and moderates. So if I'm Nikki Haley's team, I would probably be worried, but hey, she's announced, she's officially in, and I'm just curious how Trump is going to respond because he's been so busy attacking Ron DeSantis, but he's said nothing about her yet. Maybe, maybe David Brooks has an ounce of reason in what he said when we do look at how Trump is reacting to DeSantis, but has, has kind of ignored Nikki Haley. Now, we also know that Nikki Haley and Trump had at least a working relationship right she was in the trump administration before resigning and she's been kind of milk toast in condemning him so maybe maybe trump's waiting to c- criticize her of course i could be wrong by the time this comes out we'll have to see but i'm just exhausted by all these candidates and to me it seems like nikki haley is somewhat of a narcissist because she thinks she can actually dethrone trump people want her at this time no one wants her and i think she's just being a narcissist and if it's going to be Trump versus Meatball Ron, Ron DeSantis' new nickname, I don't know. Trump and DeSantis are fighting over, like, I don't know, 70 80% of the Republican electorate. Nikki Haley's like that other 20%, and sorry, that's not going to beat the other two. So we'll have to keep watching. We'll have to see how Trump responds, and we'll have to see if now anyone else is going to jump into the race and officially announce I do give Nikki a little credit for being the first one to do it, but that's where the credit stops, because I didn't like the ad. I still don't know what her lane is, and I don't really know if she has any policies that are different from all the other people out there. She just is a, you know, an Indian-American woman who's younger. That's about it to me. Sorry. And I think it was also Sarah Longwell in The Bulwark who said... Nikki Haley kind of really gives off those Kamala Harris vibes, but on the right. And I can kind of see that. I can kind of agree with that. So later, later in the episode, I'm going to spend the rest of it talking about kind of the UFO fever that is infecting the U.S. after, well, we've shot down three mysterious objects after the Chinese balloon over two weeks ago. And I'm going to talk about the panic, what's happening, is it UFOs, is it Chinese balloons, is it something else? And then I'm also going to talk about some of the conspiracies and... One of them is hashtag Ohio Chernobyl, and it's kind of the idea that the government is covering up a major disaster in Ohio, and the UFOs basically are a cover. We're shooting down these mysterious objects as a cover to cover up basically this actual disaster happening as there's a release of toxic chemicals from this derailed train in Ohio, and the government wants people focused on something else. I don't think that's true, by the way. I'm just saying that Later, I'm going to talk about that, but I actually did want to talk about this train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, and it's kind of becoming a tragic disaster and again shows me kind of the failures of private enterprises as well as the failures of the government to actually be honest and transparent with people. And so on February 3rd, NPR writes, about 50 cars of a Norfolk uh, Southern train went off track in Ohio causing a days-long fire in the area. 10 of the 50 derailed t- uh, trains contained hazardous chemicals including butyl ac- acrylate sorry, and vinyl chloride, which were among combustible liquids that authorities feel- feared could set off a major explosion. And the article says later, residents of East Palestine were later asked to evacuate out of precaution. And on February 6th, crews conducted what officials called a controlled release of the hazardous chemicals which caused a large plume of black smoke. And since then, that happened Monday, February 6th. And by Wednesday, which was February 8th, apparently the evacuation order was lifted and people did come back. Some haven't, obviously, but some people have come back. And since then, there's been just a growing number of reports of people experiencing burning sensations in their eyes. a Strong, strange odor that wasn't there prior to this train burning. And also, a lot of animals have either been falling ill or dying, and people are starting to file lawsuits against uh, Norfolk Southern, which is the train company. They're saying that it was negligent. The company was negligent and had lied about what chemicals were being moved there. Apparently, from my understanding, there was actually controversy years ago when this rail line was actually put into the area. People were worried about what could happen, and of course, something happened. And people are filing lawsuits um, demanding the company fund a, a myriad of different court issues about screening for serious illnesses and potentially the cost of serious illnesses because some people have lost animals, livestock already to this. There was one report of a lady's cat apparently got really sick and the medical cost would be too expensive to save the cat and the company was not willing to actually pay for it, so she lost her cat. And I guess there's something troubling about people saying they went back to get stuff, eyes were burning, didn't feel right. And then at the same time, they're wondering, is the water contaminated? Apparently some of these chemicals got into the water as well. Then you have to question, okay, they did this mandatory burn off to get the chemicals out of these derailed trains. Was that the right thing to get into the air? Did it get into soil? Did it get into the trees? Did it get into the water? Like there's so many questions here. And you have to wonder, okay, on Monday they're they're telling people to go away, and by Wednesday it seems like everything's all hunky-dory, it's good to come back. You have to wonder, was that enough time? Is it actually safe to come back? And it brings into question because, as NPR writes, the EPA, or the Environmental Protection Agency, which had been monitoring the air quality, said it had not detected any levels of concern in East Palestine as of Sunday, so as of a couple days ago, and The agency also added that vinyl chloride and hydrogen chloride had not been detected in the homes that had been screened yesterday. Now, there's 180 homes left to be evaluated, and they could always find something, but it's just interesting because there's a lot of just conflicting information here, a lot of conflicting reports here. It's like, okay, there's some pets have been ill, a few pets have died, people feel burning in their eyes, and this thing was obviously putting out a shit ton of smoke and fumes just a few weeks ago. And so It's like the government says they're safe, but then again, people are also worried about what happens in the long term, and does the EPA know what they're talking about? I'm not going to say it's some sort of cover-up. I don't believe that's the case, but I believe it could also be potential incompetence, might be more what I would say. And I should also note that, for example, like breathing or drinking this vinyl chloride can cause a lot of health risks, including dizziness and headaches. But the interesting thing is that people who breathe the chemical over many years may also experience liver damage. And I guess some of the animals that have either been sick or have passed away in East Palestine since all of this happened have actually had heightened liver, like, Belarubin levels and other liver issues detected. So that's kind of interesting. And... The EPA has also been monitoring other hazardous chemicals, and one of them is something called phosgene, which can cause eye irritation, dry burning throat, and vomiting. And so, you know, health experts have said people need to clean their surfaces, vacuum carefully, try to be as safe as possible, I guess. But I don't know. My issue here is that you have people coming back and saying that they are not feeling good. Pets are clearly sick. It's getting in the way of their livelihoods and some some of these businesses. There was like a kennel club that I saw on TV was being interviewed and their dogs were sick and the, the couple that ran it said their eyes were burning. And so you have you have a lot of people that are going, okay, well they're not finding any of this stuff in the houses, but we're also not feeling well. So it is it is troubling to say the least. It's tragic because some of these issues we might not even know what happens for years down the road here. And like I said, vinyl chloride, which was loaded on five of the cars Is particular concern because it does become a carcinogen that um, becomes a gas at room temperature and obviously stuff was burning in there it got into the atmosphere probably got into some sort of surfaces as well and so the government's not doing great here and you know i this is kind of a side thing here but I, i have to think that like we're having so many issues with our rail systems in the united states first we had the workers strike back over the holidays which was already an issue But then at the same time, we also just keep hearing about trains being derailed left and right. And our our infrastructure is just crumbling. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what I really see happening here is we are just having really flawed and troubling infrastructure. It's outdated. And we're behind a lot of the world in providing cheaper, better, more effective and efficient rail systems. And look, the U.S. is such a vast country. We need these. And the fact that we keep having these disasters happen A, it's just not good for our economy, but more B, it's having these type of effects that are impacting communities and making people not trust the government and also maybe have health issues down the road. And um, I'll just say that, I mean, I think if we're going to rely on railways and the entire train network in our United States, I think we need to have um, some (laughs) remodels done and some improvements done because this is just not acceptable anymore. I should also note that there are just literally downstream effects to all of this because this didn't just stay in East Palestine. For example, it went further downstream into Cincinnati. You had last week officials in the Ohio River community of Wharton, West Virginia. They detected butyl acrylate, um, which is another one of those chemicals I mentioned. Um, also, you have the Ohio River having tributaries, which include the Little Beaver Creek, which is a national scenic river, and we've seen uh, fish kill-offs, et cetera. So this didn't just stay in the area, it's also hurting different parts of the region as well. And I guess the thing here is that you have to wonder where there laxed regulations? I was reading in The Hill a little bit ago that a lot of railroad safety experts and union members have time and time again called for more stringent oversight from the federal government of the railway industry as well and again that falls into the transportation department but i think it also needs to go into the epa as well here and i guess one of the big areas of tension have been brakes and the hill writes here in quotes investigators from the national transportation safety board received reports that crews of the north norfolk southern train pulled the emergency brake and there was a mechanical issue with one of the rail car axles and it was discovered too late and i guess this possibility of brake failures has been a key issue in railroad safety for a long time and it's been a behind the scenes battle going on in the transportation department along with railroad companies and with small local union groups as well and brake failures are very common and a lot of a lot of these a lot of these trains run on systems where wheels stop one at a time and that also doesn't sound too good to me and I guess No Fork Southern was one of the ones that used this technology, which the the wheels stop one at a time using a compression system. And I guess at first they were touting the success of this. And it turns out that this actually could have triggered a complete breakdown on the train that caused all of this. Again, we're still learning a lot of different factors and issues that led to this. But to me, it does seem like there's a time when we need more stringent policies on a lot of our transportation and infrastructure, but specifically on the railways. So moving on, though, the main thing I did want to talk about today are the strange objects pretty much everywhere now in the continental North America and United States. I mean, strange objects, weather balloons, UFOs, aerial phenomenon, whatever you want to call them. There's been quite a lot. And one side of this argument, people would say, We've, had, we've shot down three objects over the continental United States and Canada, and that's the most in history, most in American history. Other people would say we're just putting a fine lens on what's happening in our skies and we're seeing more of these. I'll get into kind of both arguments, also talk about, oh, are they UFOs? I don't think so, but we'll still entertain it a little bit. But I just wanted to start by saying that it seems like these balloons and other strange aerial objects are kind of uh, following my different paths I've been on or at least the places I've been recently, because, for example, the balloon last week basically was following my drive from Chicago to Nevada, but in the opposite direction, right? It was, it was seen over Montana, and then it kind of made its way through the Midwest. So maybe you just wanted to see the views. I did. I don't know. Then we had that other object shut down over the weekend, which was over Lake Huron in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I was in that area back in June. Of course, I'm kidding here, but in all seriousness... We've had, as of now, four objects get shot down in either the the Yukon territories in Canada or in the United States over the last week. And as CNN reports here, the operation marks the third day in a row that an unidentified object was shot down over the North American airspace. An unidentified object was shot down over over Northern Canada on Saturday. On Friday, an unidentified object was shot down in Alaskan airspace by a USF-22. And I should also note that these objects have varied in size and elevation, though the last three were all seen as a risk to civilian aircraft. So that's why they were shot down quickly, because they were small. So I, I think the calculation was that they were not going to cause any issues to people on the ground. But then at the same time, you don't want to, you know, you don't want one of these things flying into an aircraft at 30 or 40,000 feet, right? And CNN also notes that, in quotes here, the object was shaped like an octagon, this is the most recent one, with strings hanging off of it, and did not appear to be carrying anything. It was shot down at about 20,000 feet, and while the one earlier in the week was uh, over the Aleutian Islands in Alaska, that was at about 40,000 feet, feet, sorry. and I think the one that was shot down over the Yukon Territory in Canada was also somewhere in this range, right? So we have the Chinese spy balloon that was flying, you know, the size of three buses, over 60,000 feet that's very high. These are much lower, much smaller and it's interesting and I think this I mean I've seen so many different theories online <laughs> ranging from the absurd to the boring to the rational to the obvious. Now I hate myself but of course I turned on our friend uh, Laura Ingram last night or as David Packman says, Laura Ingraham, which, which I think kind of sounds better anyways but I t- turned into that, and she's not only speculating that it's UFOs, but she's also speculating that the Biden administration is covering it up. Maybe it's some sort of false flag, and she, but then at the same time, Biden's covering it up, but then he's also useless and weak. You know, they have all these conflicting narratives in one news story that make it hard to even know what they're talking about. Like, basically, so much bullshit is flying out of her mouth in about two minutes that you're like, okay, so did Biden do the right thing? Did, did he do the wrong thing? Do these exist? Was it fake? Is this propaganda? Are they lying? She also peddled conspiracies about the F-22 missing the object at first, and she of course says pilots don't do this. I don't know, but I also don't think she's probably the resident expert on how to shoot down a a mysterious object in the skies, right? I I don't remember her being a fighter pilot. But anyways, others also think that these are objects from China, which would probably make sense, or some other government, right? And Maybe we're just starting to now detect them because they're slow-moving objects. They've probably been in the skies for weeks. And a lot of our technology isn't just looking for these random tiny objects that have just kind of been moving at a very slow speed, right? And, of course, there is a difference, though, because maybe these are little weather balloons or spy balloons or whatnot. But the one difference is that the big balloon, you know, the one that was the size of three trucks or whatever, it actually had Chinese writing on it it was clearly a spy balloon. The Chinese actually haven't really denied it. But when it comes to these other objects that have been shot down, it seems like the Chinese are more hesitant to say it was them. So that is something interesting. They've said it's too early to know whose it is. They Though they have also blamed us for doing the same thing now openly. And so there's a lot of tip for tat here at the same time, but you also have to wonder is this China? Because their reaction is very different with these three new objects than it was with the big balloon that we shot down. And Anyways, the American people are quite uh, curious, I guess, if you want to use that. Some are more conspiratorial, some are panicking, whatever you want to say. But the the American people in general are very curious about what's happening. And at this point, we don't know much. But one thing that is happening is that the White House is definitely taking this seriously and does want to know what is happening. The Wall Street Journal has a good article from this morning, and it notes here in quotes, The White House said Monday it would create a team expected to study airborne objects and the potential security and safety risks they pose. The new group, created at the behest of National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, would would, uh, compromise elements of the Pentagon, the Federal Aviation Administration, the Department of Homeland Security, and other government agencies. Now, I think it's good that these agencies are discussing broader policy implications of these objects, right? How to detect them better? Why are they here? Do we shoot them down? Do we try to study them? There's a lot of questions here, and we clearly don't know what to do. I think that's been very clear. I mean, Biden's now kind of been good at ordering them to be shot down, which I think is fine. But clearly, we're kind of just learning as we go here, right? And that's understandable, because this is all kind of a new issue. And that being said, it does seem like if we don't know what these objects are, we can't really react in the proper way. And everyone from National Security Council spokesman Kirby to White House officials to military officials still haven't, they still haven't clarified what these objects were. They've also been quite vague with their language. And the thing is, they were pretty quick to identify the big one as a balloon, right? And I've noticed it's pretty clear in their language that they don't want to call this a balloon yet. And... The US military, from all the interviews I've seen and reports, they seem to call them objects. And while apparently while apparently they don't want to call them balloons, they're calling them objects, and we're not gonna probably know further for a while because the collection of the debris keeps being stimmied by either severe weather and terrain. Now, I again I I would think that with the budget we have, they would be able to go into Lake Huron even if the weather's bad and find this stuff. Again, it, they're small, so I guess I could understand why it might be more difficult, but Aleutian Islands makes sense. Lake Huron, I think you would think they'd be able to get down there and do it even if the weather and terrain is bad, but right now that is what they're saying, they're not going to be able to get it yet. But it does make sense if you look on a map where these objects were shot down, Yukon territory, Aleutian Islands, middle of Lake Huron, right? Not exactly the same as a nice beach off the coast of South Carolina where they have started recovering pieces from the bigger balloon. So usually on this podcast, I try to stay away from talking about aliens, but I do believe that maybe we should have a little fun with some of what people are saying out there, right? Or at least entertain it. Obviously, I'll let you make that up for yourself. I I will just say as a caveat, I do not believe that it's aliens, but... Some people do, and the Pentagon has been vague, so some people are having fun with it. So the language from the Pentagon and military officials has not exactly, let's just say, helped the case. And probably the vagueness of their answers is what has allowed people like Laura Ingram to speculate, and the other conspiracies, which we'll get into later. But for example, the Wall Street Journal writes on Sunday here in quotes, The head of U.S. Northern Command and the Northern Air Force Defense Command would not rule out that the airborne objects the Pentagon had been shooting down are connected to aliens or extraterrestrials. Now, before I go on, I will note, not ruling something out is kind of covering your bases. It's not just saying, oh, they're probably aliens. They're like, we are not 100% sure, so we're not going to rule anything out. Also, though, going on, uh, General Glenn Van Herrick, he did also say in a briefing, in quotes, I'll let the intel community and the counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything. But like I said, not ruling out anything does not mean that it's something, right? And it's different from saying, oh, these were UFOs. I should also note, though, that there is something strange about these objects, I guess. From all reports, they've been unmanned, and they haven't actually been able to pick up heat signatures on them, and they haven't actually been able to explain how the objects are powered or how they maneuver in the way they do. I think it sounded pretty clear that they were able to find this bigger balloon quite easily. And there weren't a lot of questions about how it was operating. But in this case, there are questions about, like, where are the thermal signatures? We're not seeing any of those. How are these things moving? Different shapes for different ones. Like, there doesn't seem to be some uniform thing flying around. And I use the term thing because I don't really know what to say for it, to be completely honest. And... Also, that General Van Eric from earlier has said that they're not calling these objects balloons, but instead objects. And I mentioned that a little bit earlier, and that is different. That is something different. This signifies to me that they are not easily being identified as what they were last time. And in a moment, I'll get to my more <laughs> toast theories, I guess, on what is happening. But since we're talking about UFOs, I mean, might as well just keep going on it. And... The timing is actually something that's pretty interesting here. Because last summer, the Pentagon did form an office that is very secretive and classified. It's a real office, so I'm not just, you know, speculating or anything here. The office is called the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, which is quite a weird name, probably to say something that investigates aerial phenomenon. And as the name vaguely implies... It's reviewed 366 reports or cases of unidentified aerial phenomenon, which basically UAPs are just the new term for UFOs because sometimes they're not just flying objects, sometimes I've heard they've been seen coming out of the water or back into the water, like they're kind of hard to do. And we've seen a lot of videos of these over the years, and of course no one is actually sure what this office from the Pentagon is investigating, but... We should remember, though, over the last year, Congress has held hearings about UFOs or UAPs or whatever you want to call them. And they've talked about, I I guess there's been enough videos and enough public outcry that they're actually looking into it. We've also seen more activity in the skies, more videos of lights. We've seen saucers in war areas, strange crafts coming out. We also have heard testimonies from Air Force and Air Force pilots and naval officers. They claim to be up high in the skies and experience strange phenomena that have moved and operated in ways that seem inherently different from our understanding of how these vehicles operate and maneuver. It also doesn't really help that over the last few days, we've also seen other places in the world also report strange sightings. So I also read out of Latin American news outlets that Uruguay's Air Force, the FAU, is looking into the sighting of strange red lights in the sky in Turma de Almeron in the department of Pasiandu. And according to the publication El Pais, which has a Montevideo branch, a team of experts was basically deployed to the area to collect information and get witness statements. And the lights were seen early Saturday by about 20 people. I've seen some videos, and yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely no weather balloons. (laughs) The article also writes, in quotes here, Numerous videos were recorded and shared on social media networks. They showed red lights at a low altitude in the sky of Paisandu. Similar sightings were also reported in the neighboring Argentine province of Entre Rios, as well in the Uruguayan towns of Colonia and San Jose. Now, you know, we, you also hear, I, I, I've read some reports in other parts of the world of lights and stuff, but we always get lights and stuff like this, right? And the question is, are these related to what we've shot down over our over our skies? Probably not. That's my instinct. People have smartphones, right? People have the internet. I think we're just seeing these videos more and more. And either way, I do think it is clear that some sort of a UFO fever has really infected not only DC, but the American media and the public as well. Look, I don't believe that we are alone out there. If you just look at the extent of the size of our galaxies, universes, whatever else is out there, it would be kind of insane to think we're the only thing. I'm a big Fox Mulder fan, right? (laughs) Good old X-Files. I definitely want to believe. The problem here is that I think there are much more fitting explanations for these objects. I also think that because of a lot of people want to believe... And because our society is so into entertainment and, and conspiratorial thinking, it doesn't trust institutions, I think people are willing to speculate anything when governments stay quiet. I, th- I think because we want to believe, we, 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 we want to believe. <clears throat> and I think the AP says it best in quotes here. An article from Today writes, about how these four objects, in quotes, have touched off rampant misinformation about the objects, their origin, and their purpose, showing how complicated world events and a lack of information can quickly create the perfect conditions for unchecked conjecture and misinformation. And going into some of this a little bit further, I think my favorite theory is that Biden has ordered these objects to be shot down as a cover-up for something else. One of the most popular theories basically suggested that the White House and the Pentagon are using these airborne distractions, basically, to divert attention from that chemical spill I talked about earlier that happened in Ohio. The AP writes in quotes here, China's government apparently took notice. On Tuesday, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Hua Chunying tweeted a link to a news coverage of the Ohio chemical leak and added hashtag Ohio Chernobyl. This is a hashtag that was used in many posts that suggests the incident is being covered up. And, you know, other people are thinking, is this some sort of false flag? (sighs) Look, I mean, just, just seeing how the government has reacted to this does not tell me they're covering something up. It tells me in a sense that they're almost as confused as we are. And there's a lot of misinformation going on right now, and it's really not productive. I think I think the government is just trying to gather information right now and trying to figure out what is happening. I've listened to like Jer- Jeremy Corbell, for example, who who's a big UFO independent journalist. He was on a podcast I listened to and he's just convinced, you know, that the movement of these is different than other things we've seen and I just don't know if that's ultimately the case here. I think I think what is happening, for example, is that the Chinese spy balloon from about 2 weeks ago has basically alerted our military and it's kind of scared our military. It's scared the Pentagon, it's scared government officials and it's made us think that we're not great at detecting slow moving objects that are lower than satellites and are constantly moving across the country. Like these things are slow moving, right? That means they've been up there probably for a long time. I don't I don't think that they're just coming out of nowhere and then just slowly floating around. It was Mark Esper, Trump's ex Secretary of Defense. He basically said, "I do not believe that these are UFOs, mainly because if aliens were coming to our planet and wanted to talk to us, why would they come in the form of a slow floating weather balloon type of object that cannot communicate with us and was barely detectable? And I think it's a good point. It's kind of Oakham's razor here is like if you were trying to be an alien invader, would, that, would something that's almost undetectable by the U.S. military be the best way to come and visit us? Unless they're spying on us, again, you never know. But if I was to guess why these objects are being detected now more than ever, I would just say it's because we're looking for them. I really do not think Biden is in league with the Chinese or weak or doing a cover-up, as Laura Ingram has kindly said. I think we're just seeing that there's compromises in our detection of objects in our skies. And now we're just overcompensating for it, right? I also do think that these could be Chinese. They could be Russian. They could be any other government. I don't really know. They also could be debris. They could be weather balloons. But it does seem clear that the Chinese could be testing us, right? Seeing what they can get away with. And if that's the case, I guess you could say it's kind of worked up to now, right? I mean, if these balloons or whatever they are have been floating around for a while, and they are from China, it took us a while to actually do something about it. I've also read some interesting articles, and Malcolm Nance has had some good points on this as well, about how we're starting to realize that maybe Chinese satellites and, and the technology that composes them, sorry, sorry, comprises them – um, may not be as great as we were led to believe. And this could mean that the Chinese have to find other means of surveilling us. So there's always that to think about as well. All I know for certain is that we <laughs> have not shot down this many things from American so- or from American skies in all of history, and it's definitely strange. But I don't think we should start having a big UFO panic in the United States. Again, I think we just need to remember what Mark Esper said, is that if they were really trying to come down here, would they really come in these slow-moving, floating things at twenty or 30,000 feet? And that's kind of where my stance is on it. It's probably pretty boring. And I think also the point of this is that it seems like our society needs to be debating and focused on something. Like, our attention spans are not great. What I mean here is that, you know, we're debating Rihanna in the Super Bowl. Oh, was she pregnant? Was it a good show? Was it offensive to kids? Should it have happened? Was she lip-syncing? We're all yelling about that on Twitter. Now, 24 hours later, we're all debating UFOs in the sky. Um, Our society is just so distracted by bullshit, it seems like, and that's probably what's happening here, at least in my opinion. And again, I could be very wrong. These things are new. We just detected them. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe we're being visited by aliens and we're just finding out about it. I think we'd all like to believe that. So anyways, uh, Nikki Haley's running. I don't think the thing in Ohio is like completely like Chernobyl, but it's not great, and it does bring into question government efficacy. And also, the UFO fever is infecting the U.S., but I think we should calm down. So anyways, you can find me. I actually just got a notification that the podcast appears to be back on Apple Podcasts, so... They must have got my emails and calls and fixed the glitch. It must have just been something easy to fix. So as of now, back on there. So you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, whatever else there is. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. Longer episode, good conversation here, and take care.